1: In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God rather than this world our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes, so keep pen and paper handy. It's preaching time, and let's
2: pray. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching the word. We pray that you just help me now. I can't do this without you. We pray against satanic distractions. Help me to have clarity of thought and help the people of God, be they here or at home, to just still themselves and stop, not text, not multitask, but interact with you through your word. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said. Well, we're in the last part of this series. We've been preaching it for a whole month. It's five Sundays in this month of January. And this is the last of that particular of this particular series entitled The Spiritual Discipline of Being Still Before the Lord. The Spiritual Discipline of Being Still Before the Lord. The theme scripture is Psalms 4610A, which says, Be still and know that I am God. Being still is so critical to living the victorious Christian life. And what makes it so challenging is that we have so much coming at us from all kinds of directions until if we're not purposeful in stilling ourselves, we won't be still. The real question we must pose ourselves to ourselves is, have we commenced to being still as unto the Lord during this season of fasting and prayer? Have you yet to be quiet before the Lord? Have you been relaxing before the Lord? Have you just let go and let God? What about surrendering yourselves unto him? If we can be intentional about applying these biblical principles, our lives will be far better off physically and even more spiritually which results in our Lord bringing comfort and healing to our hearts. Satan's goal is to keep you so distracted, so wrapped up in so much stuff that your aloneness with God is literally absent in your life. And you cannot maximize your potential for Christ unless you have quality time with the Lord. And when your life is absence of that quality time, you you miss uh, getting to that next level in the Lord that he desires you to go. Why is being still before the Lord so valuable? Why is it so valuable? Number one, being still before the Lord will keep you From loving the world and the things in it. That's why it's so valuable. Being still before the Lord will keep you from loving the world and the things in it. 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. in In this world system. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Beloved, anything you love more than Christ is idolatry. Anything that you love more than Christ is idolatry. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Our Lord has graciously provided everything for our good and his glory. Therefore, our fulfillment and pleasure should come from God and God alone. Did you hear that? Our fulfillment and pleasure should come from God and God alone, and not from the things in this world system. These things will come and go. There, moth can eat it, rust out, wear out. You can lose it. Somebody steal it. it. It's just temporary. But what you do for Christ will last. Therefore, love not the world nor the things in it. Number two, why is being still so valuable before the Lord? Being still before the Lord will prevent you from receiving bad counsel. Being still before the Lord will prevent you from receiving bad counsel. Bad counsel will lead you to make bad life decisions. Bad counsel will lead you to make bad life decisions and you'll suffer consequences such as marrying the wrong person making the wrong career choices, making bad financial decisions and bad financial purchases, bad decisions result in reckless behavior and being deceived. It is so easy to be deceived in a a deceptive world. Beloved, this world system is so deceptive Until if you fail to acknowledge God in your decision making, you will be deceived out of the will of God. Let me say that again. This world is so deceptive until if you fail to acknowledge God in your decision making, you will be deceived out of the will of God, resulting in your experiencing setbacks, failures and living indefinitely, perpetually. With negative consequences of those decisions, some decisions you make, they'll harass you a long time or you'll spend a very long time in recovery. That's why you need to check in with God. Let me give you an unfamiliar passage that I'm sure a lot of you haven't read unless you just happen to be reading through the book of Joshua. I want you to if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Joshua, chapter nine. And if you have technology, just get there faster, okay? Joshua chapter 9, verses 3 through 9. Then we'll skip uh, down to verses 11 through 19. And then we'll skip down to verses 22 through 23. You say, well, that's a lot of reading, but it's so fascinating and it is so interesting. And if you just read it along with me, uh, let me read it and you just read with your eyes. You'll just see how fascinating this passage is. Joshua started with chapter nine, verses three through nine. It says, but when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and AI, what had they done? Israel was whooping all of of our enemies, all of our enemies. Uh, Verse four, they resorted to deception to save themselves. Now, underline that. They, They knew they couldn't beat Israel, so they played a game on Israel. They, they planned deception. So they resorted to deception to save themselves, to save themselves. Uh, they went, they sent rather ambassadors to Joshua, look, look what they did, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskin. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes. Who are they putting on the show? And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp of Israel in Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. The Israelites replied, To the Hivites, how do we know you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you. Verse eight, they replied, we are your servants. But but they responded, but who are you? Joshua demanded, where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. Lying. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and all he did in Egypt. Now, go down to verse 11. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Look at the lies. Long journey. I wish we could just take the time, just underline all of the lies. Take a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. Verse 12. This bread was hot from the oven when we left our homes lying. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy, you know, because they were applying. The trip was so long. The fresh bread couldn't last. It dried up and became moldy. Deception. Verse 13. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open and our clothing and sandals are worn out from a very long journey line. Verse 14. So the Israelites examined their food. Let me see this food. But they did not underline this. But they did not consult the Lord. Put a double line under that. They did not consult the Lord. Let me just park right there and say something. Beloved, you set yourself up for deception and failure if you trust what you see with your eyes instead of consulting with your God. Did you get that? You, you, you set yourself up for deception and failure if you trust what you see. They looked at that bread. Oh, it looks moldy enough. Yeah, Their clothes look raggedy. They're telling the truth. But they were going by their eyes. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith and they should have checked in with God. You set yourself up for deception and failure if you trust what you see with your eyes instead of consulting God. Look at verse 15. Then Joshua made a treaty with them. Oh, no, no. That was a no, no. And guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified the agreement with a binding oath. Verse 16. Three days, just three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. Verse 17. The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. But the Israelites did not attack the towns for the Israelite leaders made a vow to them in the name of the Lord. They couldn't touch them because of the vow. The God of Israel, the people of Israel grumbled. See, when leadership make bad decisions, there, there comes to the grumbling in the congregation. Sometimes they grumble when you make the right decisions. <laughs> the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty but the leaders replied since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the lord the god of israel we cannot touch them verse 22 joshua called together the to givenites you come in oh y'all come here right now i'm just paraphrasing why did you lie to us and uh we could ask now see we, we got to understand uh, joshua didn't have the scriptures back then you know Uh, But we can ask the question to Joshua, why didn't you consult with God? Okay, look, why did you say that you live in a distant land when you live right here among us? May you be cursed from now on, you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my God. Joshua, knowing that he had made a bad decision and could not break the vow that he made, made the most of a bad situation. And that's what happened when you mess up. You're just going to repent and make the most of a bad situation. Sometimes life goes on and you got to ask the Lord to help you through it. Uh, he had to make the most of a bad, a bad decision by making the Gibeonites. He said, well, we gonna get something out of you for doing this to us. You're going to be our servants. You're going to be the woodcutters and you're going to carry water. Beloved, like Joshua, if we fail to seek God's guidance and counsel, we are destined to be misled. If we don't seek his counsel, God's counsel, we're going to be seduced, ensnared and deceived, especially in a nation of America, the world all over the world, but especially here in America. Where there is little to no integrity. In America, you have alluring and lying commercials. In America, you have bait and switch tactics. In America, you have rampant cheating, rampant lying, rampant stealing, and many politicians who, who will say anything to get your vote. But once they get in office, they forget what they say. Also, you had better seek God's counsel in dating relationship, where the one you think you love may seduce you and dump you. Beloved, when we make bad decisions without consulting the Lord, we need to confess the sin of omission. When we make decisions without consulting the Lord, we need to confess the sin of omission and ask the Lord to help us. And give us the wisdom to make the most of the negative consequences that we will receive from that decision. That was a lot. So beware of deception. When you are still before God, God will reveal the reality of things. He'll show you the lies, what's not being said, the deception and all the other things he'll begin to reveal. But now if you want to run if you don't have time for God, you, you're going to be duped. Let's go to number three. Another value of being still. This is just so interesting. Being still before the Lord renews our spiritual strength. Being still before the Lord renews our spiritual strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. With wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That great passage there. So many during this pandemic have seen a diminishing of their spiritual strength. So many Christians have seen a diminishing of their spiritual strength because they indulge in living life in the media they they live their lives by the opinions of pundits and they get disturbed over decisions that occur in our nation that they have absolutely no control over. You know, many of these decisions you have no control over. Now you, after, after you vote, you still got to pray because you don't know what's coming your way even after you vote. Amen. V- voting is not a cure. It's just your voice being heard. And some of you don't even vote and don't even try, not even registered. And then you go in there and vote and vote crazy. You have no control over a lot of things that's happening in America, which brings about. And when you focus, get absorbed in these things, there's a loss of spiritual strength that causes you to become weary. When you worry about things you have no control over that's happening before your eyes, you become faint and spiritually weak. I like what the Amplified Version says in Ephesians 610. It says, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. He has infinite strength. Incalculable strength, strength that cannot be measured. Here's a question I pose dealing with spiritual strength. How many of you can, can use some more spiritual strength in your life? You, you, you really can be made spiritually strong. Let me give you some insights and I want you to take this medicinal spiritual medicine so that you can, if you drink it and take it and receive it, you'll become spiritual, spiritually strong. How do believers receive spiritual strength when so many are spiritually weak and barely hanging on? A. It is critical that you draw near the Savior in the turbulent times in which we live. You have to draw near the Savior. There's no way you can gain spiritual strength being estranged from God, at odds with God, and distant from God. James 4, 8a says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you do not stay near the Savior, you will become faint. If you don't stay near the Savior, you're going to become weak and distressed and you're gonna become discouraged. Beloved Satan is too busy and the world is too evil for you to be drifting from God. This is no time to be drifting from God. With With all the dying and the murder and the crime and the sickness and the viruses and all these things, this is no time to be drifting from God. Our protection and place of refuge come from being ever so near the savior. We need to be so close to the savior until we can just sense his presence and know that he walks with us. He talks with us and he tells us we are his very own. Be mindful. It is impossible to be strong, courageous and live the victorious Christian life apart from having intimacy with the Lord. You can't be victorious. You can't be strong. You can't be courageous unless you have intimacy and closeness with the Lord. Uh, be Believers receive spiritual strength by seeking the Lord, his strength, and his presence continually. Believers receive spiritual strength by seeking the Lord, his strength, and his presence continually. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Continually. If you are going to seek the Lord's presence continually, this means that you must greatly reduce a lot of non-essential things in your life if you're going to seek the Lord's presence continually. That means you have, there has to be a reduction, a reduction of non-essential things in your life, such as television, reality shows, movies, social media, electronic games. A reduction of sports and cell phones and hobbies an an overactive social life. You go from one event to another event. And then some of you, you hang around and you absorb it with relationship. There are some people in your life you can't even live without every day, all day. You talking to them, you texting them, you emailing them, you talking to them. Yeah, I mean, every day you talk to them more than you do the Lord. You got a problem, you call them. And that's dangerous because that relationship turn uh, and some some relationships do go south. In a lot of cases, people don't stay in the permanent mode and you get heartbroken. So it's really critical that you seek the Lord and his presence continually see spiritual strength comes through spiritual restoration. Spiritual strength comes through spiritual restoration Spiritual restoration means to bring back. Spiritual restoration means to return. It means to recover, to recover what the locusts have eaten. Spiritual restoration. It means to to put back in order, restore. When When a bone is broken, you go to the doctor And the first thing he does, he doesn't say, well, let that bone heal and it all come back together. No, he has to do what? He has to set that bone. And sometimes he has to put a brace around it so that it'll stay stable so that everything will, you know, become a cohesive connection there. You know? So it's real important that, that, that you have a, a spiritual reset in your life. A spiritual reset. Spiritual restoration of returning back to God so that you can get to the next level in Christ. It is. Listen, uh, this spiritual restoration is it is to spiritually realign your life back to Christ. It is to spiritually realign your life back to Christ, which produces spiritual strength. Psalms 23, 2 and 3a says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, sometimes you many of us often read he restores my soul. But you look over. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. There's no restoration until you lie down, until you get still. He puts you beside still water, beside calmness and tranquility. He settles you down. Then he restores your soul. There are times that the Lord has to make us be still and lie down so that he can rest us and restore our soul. And believe me, he has unique ways of making you be still. I never will forget just a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago. My wife and I said, let's go to a state we've not gone to, a couple of states. So I said, well, we said where shall we go? So we concluded, we decided to go to um, uh, South Dakota and Minnesota. We had never gone to those states. I like going to states I've not gone to, and she does too. So the first portion of the trip, we went to South Dakota. We wanted to see Rock, Mount Rushmore and all the things, and we just couldn't wait. And we landed there, and uh, it was it, it, it was cold. It was, at least when was it? It was like the last week in May leading up to Memorial Day. So I thought winter was gone, you know? And um, I said, I thought we were behind all that. So, so we went and got in and checked in and all of that. And all of a sudden, it started snowing and it snowed and the temperature started dropping and dropping. And snow coming up and dropping and the cold and the frigid. T- I said, this is the last week. This is this is the last week in May. This is not January 5th. And The people started apologizing to us because they say this is very unseasonable. Everything, every attraction we wanted to go to shut down. We couldn't go to my rushmore. They had all other kinds of things to do. It was just it's a beautiful place. Everything. Just to walk a block to the to the store was just, you could only be out there just a few minutes. We ended up frequenting this little restaurant just across the street from the hotel. The whole week we were shut up in that hotel and didn't make one event. Now we had paid a ticket, all the planning got there and shut in at that hotel a whole week in a blizzard, snow, ice, cold. He maketh me to lie down in white (laughs) pastures.
1: Scripture tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander,